Hello and welcome to Between Two Cairns. I'm Yochai. Hi, I'm Brad. Hi, I'm I'm Sam. I'm Skullboy. I'm Sam. <laughs> that sounds okay. Uh, I just moved. I, I got nervous. I forgot which one I do. Yeah. And then it was both. And it then would... I, I doubled down on one of them. <laughs> you can be whoever you want to be here. We're yes. all friends. As our listeners will by now realize, Sam's presence can mean only one thing. Brad? If it can mean only one thing, then it can mean more than one thing. What? But nevertheless. It can mean only one thing. I don't. It's yeah, another, it you know what, I don't want to, I'm wordy. not breaking out like the, the, the Oxford. Why is Sam here, Brad? It's a gamer blast from the past. Let's blast it. We're going to, we're going to pull out the, the module. We're going to talk about it. It's an oldie, but a goodie, question mark. You <laughs> decide, mark. rather will decide. Um, in, a, in a segment we like to call gamer blasts from the past. We're here, we're doing it. What are we talking about today, Sam? We're talking about. DL1, Dragonlance Official Game Adventure, Dragons of Despair. Dragonlance, baby. That's right. Thank you for that introduction. Uh, for those who don't know, Gamer Blast from the Past is when Sam Amelli joins us to talk about old modules, classic modules, modules your parents may have read, modules you may have read as a, as a youngling. But first, before we start talking about this module, Let's answer not a question from the mailbag, but a question from the Brad bag. We were chatting before we started recording, and I was, you know, thinking about our, you know, gaming origin stories, Yochai. Because I think the thing is about Gamer Blast from the past, you know, like, I get comments, like, I don't know, from people who played these things, and they're like, you don't understand a core thing of what it was like to be there. And, and like, exactly, that's the point. Like, we're kind of coming at this from outsiders. Okay, we haven't read this stuff. I didn't play this stuff when I was a young person. So this is like an outsider um, revisiting of the classics. I think that's the whole point, that maybe we don't do enough in emphasizing. I started, I was a third edition guy. That's really where I started my D&D journey. Yachai, I know you're a hardcore Vampire the Masquerade player and still are to this day. Live and die in the LARP. It's, you're out in the streets in your trench. Oh, my God. You know, live by the sword, die uh, by the sword, vamping. I, I love I love to imagine that that's true. It's not, it's not true, but also... Anyway, we don't have time for that. Uh, no, no, no. Rebuttal. I just need to... I need to understand. Why did you pick that? <laughs> that's... That's what you like. That's the, the funniest possible yeah, combination okay, okay, of games you. and people. That's all. Why does the wind blow? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Continue. Anyway, I realize I don't really know Sam's gamer journey maybe that you aren't an outsider maybe you were playing AD&D you know as a six-year-old you know playing you know keep on the borderlands six times you know what I mean like so anyway I, I wanted to know Sam what's what's your RPG origin story how did you get into this thing what are you playing what was like your your pivotal games and uh, that made you the the gamer that you are now okay um well I I'll start with I, I have a very holistic way of looking at this. Um, and so I fold, I fold together tabletop games and video games a little bit here because I think in a lot of ways they're tapping into really similar stuff. Um, and so like my first tabletop game experience was uh, fourth edition in college, 2008, my freshman year of college. Sweet. Um, 
I had never played a tabletop game, uh, but I'd played a ton of video games. Uh, I was big into MMOs uh, as a, as a, as a, well, I say big into MMOs. I wasn't I, I, compared to other people, probably not, but I was a very much like a hardcore, like wow player for a long time. Um, and so the transition from that into fourth edition I think was really, really easy for me because yeah. I always think of fourth edition <laughs> as like the MMO, uh, that, that was made <laughs> tabletop <for> game. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. It was, Oh my God. It was so easy. I remember <laughs> I played, I played a human, a human rogue. And I remember looking through, it's like, Oh, and this is where I pick all of my abilities. And like, this is the one that's on the short cooldown. And this is one that's on the long cooldown. <laughs> I was like, Oh yeah, the time is a little bit different. Cause it's not working off of seconds. It's working off of like segments and days and things like that. But I uh-huh. essentially understand how this all works, but I sort of got into the hobby through that sort of tactical miniatures, uh, like skirmish game end of it. Sure. And that's uh, then progressively got further back in the timeline. I played, after fourth edition, I got into three five with like somebody who was like a like way too into Forgotten Realms, um, and played in a couple of campaigns with him. And then after that, I when I moved out when I left college and moved into my own place uh, with my wife, I got into uh, second edition advanced D anD D and played in like a multi year two E game, <laughs> and then. It was around that time that I was also getting into like OSR stuff. And so like then I was sort of looking through like Lamentations of the Flame Princess was sure. something I was playing a lot of at that time. Um, not really so much anymore. Um, and so like I have everything. So, and then around then too is like when I got into like, you know, looking at like basic and that's a, I think a lot of my interest in the history of games and everything comes from sort of moving backwards in time. And it's seeing, like you like, literally work backwards, like step by step. Like I don't hear about yeah. too many people jumping into second edition. That seems to be kind of like a missing fandom in a lot of ways. It's second edition is really interesting to me because I think it's where the game really started to go off the rails. Hmm. I think AD and D first edition is as much crunch as I ever want out of a game. And it's actually really like a pretty crunchy game while also being fairly straightforward in a lot of its systems and its procedures. It's just too it, e You get all the like crazy, like weapon features and all of the yeah, them additional, kits, you know, all the, yeah, all the kits and, and the, you know, you ended up with like, you know, Oh, and this is how, if you, if you build it like this and you can throw like seven darts at level one and all of them do D 12 damage. It's just like, it's like a lot of meta gaming. I feel like yeah. was like really like born out of 2e like in like the really really crunchy end of it i think you could do that in 1e a little bit more but it was more baked into the narrative sure yeah that's cool now i feel like um thanks for answering i feel uh uh i feel closer to you now i feel more open yeah i feel like an open wound that somebody could just stick their fingers in and really cause me pain if they want i feel like this bridge of male loneliness has been just destroyed I'm so you know? about just you know getting in there and just caulking up the bridge of male loneliness yeah pangea you know let's unite yeah, the men okay. let's, let's destroy it all back together okay okay i have destroy a question i have a question no more structures. boundaries I, I have a question sam when you were running fourth edition did you ever experience a tpk uh, when I was running fourth edition, I was barely using the fourth edition rules. Okay. I found uh, I had an Excel sheet that somebody gave me that <laughs> made characters 
Oh. Like you could, you could like do like all of the character creation in the Excel sheet. And so I just used the fourth edition Excel sheet character creator <laughs> and then basically was running what I realized much later was like basic D and D. Okay. So did, did any of those characters ever die? Um, I don't think I ever ran a game of that long enough that like there was ever an opportunity okay. for okay. characters to really die. The first time that I had like, a, like an actual character death was in a system that I built and I was really, really proud of it because it was like a great moment of like this person like really try, they like saved the party, but sacrificed themselves. And it was like, Ooh, yeah, sick. There's a lot of fourth edition revisionists in my opinion. Uh, Brad, Brad being one of them. Oh, dude, I, w- I was there. <laughs> I was there. I, it's, it's still good. I'm interested because I, I never ran fourth edition. I, I mean, I, my, I started with uh, non D and D systems, but when I came around to D and D, my first was Pathfinder slash, uh, I guess three point five. That was kind of the yeah, yeah. intro. My brother in law uh, has a whole bunch of them, and th- those books actually were awesome. I thought the Pathfinder books looked really cool. Um, and all that Wayne Reynolds art, it's, totally. It's I love re- Wayne. It's really great, really great. I then <laughs> the first time I played fifth edition. I was in a TPK. Everyone died. The second time I ran it as a GM, and there was also a TPK. And I thought that was oh, kind of interesting. Fourth no, edition? fifth edition. Fifth edition. Oh, fifth, fifth edition. edition. Which I thought was pretty. You know, I didn't know that was unusual at the time. Well, I'm not. I'm not saying it is unusual, but it. I think it's. Yeah. It's not what I would have expected. That's why I was asking when you ran it. How often I, it happened? I. Well, I would say I, I misunderstood your question then because fourth edition I never had a TPK, but fifth edition I when I when it was um the the playtest rules. I ran uh, Caves of Chaos, yeah. and I believe there was a TPK. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not like, and I was like very excited about it because I was like, yeah. that was like really, I was deep into like that, like you know, that sort of mid to early OSR, and I was like, oh man, it feels lethal. It feels like really good. Like I really like this rule set, and right, and they changed a bunch of stuff. Yeah, people treat four E like, um, I mean, it was different when that was like the D and D game. You know, people felt like they're taking away their dungeons. I get it, like whatever, but people treat it like. I don't know. Like you're ordering a soda at a bar, you know, and they get mad at you. They're like, "That's not what you do here, idiot!" It's like, well, it's just it's a different kind of drink, you know. Just enjoy it. Yeah. You know? I'm not like coming I, yeah. after your beer. I'm not coming after your cocktail. Just like let me sip my little fizzy drink here. You know. I don't understand your metaphor at all or analogy. I'm saying like it's it's a different thing. Yeah, it's like it, it's it's barely it's barely worth mentioning it around other editions of D and D because it's so much a closer in its lineage to like a like a chain mail or something like that it's like a tactical yeah. miniatures game that's what at least right. all the rules are about and then right, you right, know, right. we can have a big discussion it's, about whether or not that's what the game is about but like like people hate it because they that. call it dungeons and dragons yeah exactly and, they, and, and if oh, they called sure. it anything else i think it would have been like a celebrated highly enjoyed played game right even though no one would have paid attention to it because it wasn't called dungeons and dragons but right. anyway yeah <laughs> it's just like you have to take it as its own experience. Just because it didn't slot into your expectation of the thing in a place doesn't mean it's bad. It's just it was just different. Now, in a lot of ways, I think 4E though was like a big a big uh, pushing of the mm-hmm. like indie side of the hobby though, because you had so many people that were like, I think they were already annoyed with like the the levels of like crunch and like overwrought things in three five but i think 4e was the tipping point that got a lot of people moving in the direction of like the like early early osr stuff 
Because that's when you see like the blogs start to emerge is around that like sort of 2006 to 2010. I think the main problem was the license was so restrictive. I feel like if it was more open, it would have been a way more embraced game. I don't know. Personally, I know basically just, nothing about that end of it. That was it before was, I was uh, into that. It was just thing. a lot more locked down. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Yeah, it was just like way innovative, way more different than you know o- oe to first e to second e which was like oh you can still play the same game pretty much the same way or some differences 30 really mixed it up and made some people mad but it was like you know kind of reinvigorated the hobby got a lot of new people into it for you suddenly like new game start from zero new game brand new rules starting over and people are like what is this like, what are you yeah doing? yeah there was also the, in context there was no ogl for fourth no. edition right so no exactly w- one argument is that they saw watsi saw all the industry reactions to the OGL and saw it as competition. And so they went hard the opposite direction. Uh, and so that's, that's, that's my impression. And, and, and it's as a result, their own supplements suffered and third party supplements suffered and hey. it was a dead end. So anyway, we don't, we're getting way yeah. in the weeds on 40. I love preface, you know, before we, um, before we trash a beloved Dragonlance classic, <laughs> let's just start by saying 4E D&D is good. Really warm up the rock throwers. I, I agree. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, 4E has a couple of things that I really love. One of which is just like the the racing class combinations are like totally out of nowhere, left field, buck wild <laughs> kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And also uh, skill challenges. Skill challenges are underrated Mm, Underrated. beautiful beautiful way of 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 finding a a middle ground between what i think of as like at you know the the sort of classic like dm in charge adventure game and a more Uh like like a like a story game sort of like give the players a little bit more control over the narrative kind of thing because you've got sort of the best of both worlds there in my opinion i always thought that was kind of cool you're not Great the only stuff. person who's who I've heard say that. So yeah, what other hot take can we throw in here to really get people really mad? No, I I was actually going to give one. Can I can I give please, one? Please, please. But it, yeah, what do you got? Okay, it's got nothing to do with. Uh, Great. This discussion has to do with our sort of our um, gamer blast culture. I don't know what, what you would call it. What we oh. what we developed on this oh. podcast. No, no. Let me let me explain. Um, so our podcast stats. Are, they look looking pretty good. We're like, you know, doing pretty good. Okay. One thing that I've noticed is that with the exception of our first episode, all of our uh-huh. most popular episodes are Gamer Blasts, which is great. Uh-huh. I love doing these. I think they're very fun. Uh, yeah, people want to hear about people what they hear instead of some, about the stuff. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really interesting because a lot of it is bad. And the reason that we don't see it as bad is 50% nostalgia and 50% it was the first of its kind to do X. And I think right. that that's important. So, for example, there are some innovations in this module we're going to talk about. I'm I'm holding uh-huh. back, you know, what those are for a second, but there's uh-huh. some innovations. And so, for me, I have to remind myself of those two facts. The nostalgia one, I don't care about at all. Like that, I often think to myself when I'm reviewing an older module, if this were released today, would uh-huh. it be considered good? And the answer is no, because those two things are not fulfilled that you know there's no nostalgia for something new and the the innovation's already been done which is okay the reason i'm i'm kind of giving this hot take as brad describes it is because hot take no because i got i i i saw some internet blowback on um our review of against the giants 
And there was comments around, you know, oh, do they even know about gold for XP? Yeah, I know about, yes, I don't care. Like, I don't care if there's justification for why there's 28,000 gold pieces in one room. I think it's stupid. I don't care if there was a reason for it. If it was released today, it would be absurd. And so that's why I, 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 my hot take, and I've been thinking about this since our last episode, uh-huh. I, I feel like there's a lot of sort of defensiveness around these modules, and I'm not looking to crap all over them. If anything, I, I want to discover things, and, and I have. I've really, two of the ones we've reviewed so far, I've liked, which is saying something. So, you know, I want to say I'm an outsider. I wasn't there, although uh-huh. I do have a connection to this specific module that we'll get into, but... Uh, I just want to say, you know, uh, deal with it, people. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk. All right. I I have. I just formed a a brief. No. Yeah. Let's let Sam reply. Yes, Um, please. Because I, the other day, I was actually thinking about what you said about all of the gold, and I was rereading the AD and D rules, and I'm actually in the process of. I've been doing like these little like sort of comics about like explaining like rules things from like sort of esoteric older systems that maybe people don't know about or just like it's it's one of those things that's sort of lost in the sauce after a certain point but it's a lot of that stuff that is that was annoying about against the giants is very much mired in what i would think of at that point for like ninth level characters it's just like the like hardline system bloat of like, yeah, the leveling system is based on gold for XP. And on top of that, you also have all of these training fees that go into leveling. I mean, to say nothing about some of the really wild stuff, like the DM rating your performance, uh, (laughs) like as a class. And it's like, if you were a good enough thief, then you get like, you know, the, the easiest amount of training time with the least amount of money having to be spent. But if you were bad, then it's like, it's like one week for every like letter grade or something like there's, there's a lot of like, I think of it as sort of like an interesting feature of a game, but like as it plays out, it's super tedious. Like if you're thinking about running against the giants as a one shot, like it, nobody, nobody gives a shit about leveling in that context. Like if you are fitting it into the sort of like grand scheme tabletop MMO of like all of the Greyhawk modules and you start at level one and you work your way to level 20 and you're doing the whole thing, then like, I think you can talk about like, you know, whether or not it's, you know, like, you know, the way that like gold is distributed and all that kind of stuff. But like, let's be fair. Most people are not playing this way. Most people are not even remembering that they played this way. And like, there is a certain amount of like, all of those rules were fucking hand waved anyways, half the time, because like it was, you know, 12 <laughs> yeah. year olds that are just like, I'm not going to do that. I just, I just want to level up. Like, I don't care. <laughs> right. And it's like, that's yeah. fine too. And like, I, yeah, I, I do feel like there is a uh, pedantic need for me to like, like defend my knowledge of a thing <laughs> because I have spent a yeah. lot of time looking through a lot of this stuff, even if I wasn't there playing it at the time. And it's like, I get it. I understand that there is a, uh, there, there are reasons for these things, but like, I gotta, I gotta go with Yuhai here and I just don't really care that much. It doesn't, it right. does, to me, that doesn't make or break a mod. That's the kind of stuff that like gets translated away if you write that adventure into another setting, because the only thing that actually matters is the rate of advancement and if that is something that your table likes or doesn't like. So there's like lots of different ways. If you ran against the giants using dungeon crawl classics, you wouldn't need all of that gold because it's, that's not, it's just like the way that this 
works is different. So like, it doesn't really matter that much to what made that adventure good or not. It's just sort of, it's a lot of, it it ends up being a lot of gristle to get through because we're not really thinking about whether or not like there should be or shouldn't be all this gold. It's just like, what, what is actually happening here? What are we looking at as a product? Does that make sense or am I just rambling now? No, I I get it. Same, same, same. Yeah. All right. Uh, Well, so thanks for that. Uh, Sam, Brad, you don't get a turn. We're just going to dive right in. <laughs> There's no <to> turns. <laughs> I'm just kidding. My freestyle, uh, just, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, you can Go scat ahead. if Let's you want. Okay, I'll so, save it for the end. Scat yeah, outro. All right, all right. I, uh, I, of, I will say I often feel homeless because I I love grognard games and I can't stand grognards. So, oh, I mean, oops. Wow. Oops, yeah, I don't well, care. Yeah, I mean... You can like stuff while also recognizing it was bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let, speaking of which, uh, so let's let's get into the main review, which is for. Do I say Dragonlance before I say the title? What is the preferred nomenclature here? Do I say Dragonlance, Dragons of Despair, or do I just say Dragons of Despair, or do I say DL One, Dragons of Despair? What is the Get it right, man. The Pinkertons are outside your door waiting for you to show up. I think the appropriate way to say it is Advanced Dungeons & Dragons Module DL1 Dragonlance Dragons of Despair. No. (laughs) Great. Let's have a big, long argument about it. Yeah, Yeah. okay. So uh, I'm just going to read the credits, and then you go ahead, Sam, and you'll give us the uh, historical analysis. Sure. So this was written by Tracy Hickman. The design staff credits are Tracy Hickman, Harold Johnson, Douglas Niles, Carl Smith, Michael Williams. Editing is also Michael Williams. The um, product design, which is different than, I guess, design staff, is Bruce Lewis and Elizabeth Rydell. And the art cover is Clyde Caldwell. Oh, yeah. Very good, yes. Jeff uh, easily did all the interior art, and the maps were just by diesel in quotes god i love that so yeah. much yeah 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 it's pretty cool um, i love the name in quotes too yeah that's what i'm saying the quotes point is funny diesel. um canticle was by tracy hickman and michael <laughs> williams i think this is the first canticle credit we've got in a uh in a module <laughs> writers credit your canticles that's the lesson here. in white in plume here. mountain isn't there a canticle oh no there well there's a there's a a poem, poem? Maybe? there's a poem yeah but it's yeah, not yeah. i don't it, i think it's just it's not a canticle i think lawrence schick wrote it so it's not it's not credited to anybody else got it so got it's, it. that's it's so not, it doesn't get a special place it doesn't get got a special it, yeah. shout out because you know somebody <laughs> yeah. else worked on it uh-huh. uh song which we'll get into is also by tracy hickman carl smith and michael williams uh it was published by tsr and i did notice that larry elmore is credited there in the special thanks among other individuals of note so yeah so that's the credits um i got the pod version from drive through uh yet yes, again i did too making a terrible mistake over I got and the, over and over again yeah i got the pdf from drive through also um yeah i did find on archive.org or something a, a pdf that i guess they i don't know how they do this exactly but it's not a scan they like replace they like scan and replace the letters so it's higher it's much easier to read on my poor eyes but i i you know i have the pdf with the there are multiple levels of scan quality in these modules. This one oh, is yeah. not the worst. It's definitely not as fuzzy as some of the others, um, but it's not great, um, except for the maps, which look wonderful. But um, so that's 
That is the credits. Why don't you tell us, Sam, what, what is Dragonlance and what is the history of this module? Start okay. from the beginning. I so I've I've compiled some things into a what I can think of as a sort of easy to digest version of uh, all of this stuff. So we got DL1 here, Dragons of Despair, published in March of 1984, and it's the first adventure set in Kryn. Uh, so uh, Tracy and Laura Hickman uh, had a company called Daystar West Media in which they were doing adventure publishing, and that's where they uh, originally published uh, Rahasia and Pharaoh, uh, both of which have similar styles of goals achievable in a few sessions and a realistic architecture for their settings, which you're going to find are a sort of a through line into this. Uh, both of these people who are married to each other are members of the Church of Latter-day Saints. And as we get into some of the world building beats of Kryn, that's going to make sense. Uh, Dragonlance has a couple of different origin points, uh, one of which is uh, listed as Eye of the Dragon, which was a module idea that Laura and Tracy had with uh, dragon riding in it was one of the main features and uh then the other one of the other early credits is actually to them uh going on the road trip when they were going to work for tsr after they had sold uh rahasia and pharaoh to tsr after i guess uh tracy had sort of like lost on a business venture with a partner or something like that and they were in need of money so they sold those adventures for i believe 500 dollars a piece to tsr um so on this road trip going to um work at TSR, they came up with this sort of like idea for like some of the Dragonlance characters and the idea of this like big world, once again, inserting dragon riding into it, which I think maintains uh, the coolest part of Dragonlance is like, why not ride dragons? Uh, <laughs> and not featured in this module at all? Yeah, not featured in this module in one in one little bit. Uh, yes. And, and anyway. I mean, yeah, I suppose it could get there if you were creative, but uh, uh, but yeah, so they continue to talk about how cool it would be to ride a dragon and how maybe a trilogy of adventures about that would be a good idea. The idea was further fleshed out as a project as Project Overlord, which is a 12 part game series based on that trilogy uh, that had basically like one different kind of dragon in every module. And they were sort of the idea initially that it would be like this dragon of the month club kind of thing. But I think Tracy was pushing back against that because he wanted it to be something more um and then basically from there uh the hickmans had conceived uh of this and were working with jeff, jeff grubb carl smith and larry elmore while the rest of the company was off doing main character things and trying to save tsr from bankruptcy or something i believe this is when gygax was in hollywood pitching all sorts of things and ending up with the DD cartoon um that was in 1983 because tracy and laura also wrote uh or sorry not Tracy and Laura, Tracy and, or one of that, sorry, one of them and somebody else wrote Ravenloft. Um, yeah, so that was what was going on there. Uh, basically, Dragonlance is TSR's first foray into fiction as well as, um, uh, like, multimedia. Uh, so you've got The Test of Twins, which was written by Margaret Weiss and published in Dragon Magazine. Mag Dragon Magazine 83 in March of 1984. Um, and the whole idea of these books being, you know, this sort of like framework being laid out by um, Tracy Hickman and then the actual like writing by Margaret Weiss is this whole interesting, I think like interconnected uh, just piece of f fantasy s content that like you just hadn't really seen before. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh and it's also the first, like, truly, like, pur purpose-built setting 
for D&D. Everything else was just people's home games that was getting ported over. And, you know, Greyhawk is just what Gary Gygax was doing. You know, same thing with Blackmore with Arneson. Uh, I, I believe at that point, I don't even know if Mistara had been necessarily, necessarily like established yet, but like, I think that was just um, Moldvay sort of playing around with his own stuff. But basically this is the first one that was just like, what if we built a setting for, you know, publishing at TSR? Um, and so there's a tons of book tie-ins, toy tie-ins, miniature tie-ins, novels, comics, all that kind of stuff. Um, and the last thing I have here is that the Hickmans had a manifesto for adventure writing uh, when they basically had started Daystar West. And that was things in it like adventure should have an intriguing story that is intricately woven into the plot itself, which we will see a lot of. Intriguing is a strong word, but yeah, we'll see. It sure yeah. is. We'll see, we'll see that momentarily. Or well, thank you for that uh, history. Now, I'd like to know yeah. from both of you what is your individual histories with Dragonlance? Yeah, um, Dragonlance was huge when I was in middle school. I had friends that were just hardcore Dragonlance readers. Had all of the books. I think I read half of Dragons of Autumn Twilight. I got from the library in middle school, and I was like, "This is fine." And then I returned it to the library, and I didn't, uh, I didn't read anymore. But um, that's about the extent, except for the NES game, uh, Heroes of the Lance, another, uh, adaptation of this module, um, which was one of those regret rentals I <laughs> rented for my NES. Um, I know you've, you both have played that one too. Correct. Right? Although I played it on like a DOS PC in my grandmother's okay. house. It was, it is the first game I ever played in the United States. And, okay. and I remember... My grandmother had a, I mean, this was a 286 PC, I guess is what you'd call it. Uh-huh. It, it, it got 11 megahertz and you could push the button and then it would go up to 33. Love and, to press the button. <laughs> and yeah, that would increase the CPU clock speed, I guess. Anyhow, um, uh, I Hitting actually the NAS. have, I have fond memories and I don't remember it being called Heroes of the Lance though. I rem- I don't remember that being the name. But at some point when I came across it while reading this review, I I, I saw the screenshots and I I, I said to Sam like, wait, that's that's this. I didn't because I, I know all the characters. And I was saying this to Brad. This yeah. has a cast of characters that anyone who's read these books or played these games will will be familiar with. You know, Gold Moon, Rasslin, mm-hmm. all those. And I always liked Rasslin. I remember that was always oh, yeah. a a point of yeah, attraction for me. I didn't care at all for the books. I I read at least one of them when I was I don't know probably. 13 or 14, but you know, why would you read that when there's so much other, I even, even compared to Robert Jordan, I, I put this yeah. lower on the shelf in terms of fantasy that I, I pulled it out again. I pulled out dragons of autumn twilight this month. I was like, let's jump back in. Is this anything? I think it's fine. <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I see why there's a lot of people with nostalgic fondness for the series or even non nostalgic fondness. You know, it's it's like kind of st- standard heroic fantasy, like a lot of beats taken from Tolkien. Like, it's fine. I feel like the characters aren't super strong. They're kind of one note most of the time. I don't know. It's not like it's it's not the most riveting drama, but I do like the sort of long haired 80s crystal fantasy that's presented here. I find that very nostalgic and I don't feel like we see that a lot. We get a lot of like mud punk now. We get a lot of you know, um, medieval recreationists. We get a lot of different kinds of fantasy, but it's, it's not grim. Like the, it's not grim at all. No, I feel like the kind of fantasy that you'd used to see in like 
you know, gift stores in the early 90s yeah. where people had feathers in their hair and the unicorn posters. You don't see that anymore. That's like, that's, that's Dragonlance. I mean, you know, especially I, in the cover art. I have so much to say about that specifically. <laughs> um, because I agree, there is something about this that is, it is, it is a nostalgia for like, going into a store that sells crystal wizards and incense and, uh, you know, pink Floyd t-shirts and like, that is the vibe. And so my, uh, my experience with Dragonlance, I didn't realize that I really had experience with Dragonlance until just recently when I realized that that two E campaign that I played in, which was just a (laughs) sandbox hex crawl kind of like very, like actually fairly like gritty sort of, thing was apparently set in Dragonlance. Um, <laughs> the DM, that was just the world that he had the most familiarity with. So there were like right. gully dwarves and Kender and stuff like that just in the setting. But I didn't really know at that point, I didn't really know all the settings well enough to know that that was like anything. Well, so my gateway to this exact kind of fantasy that Brad's talking about was the Terry Brooks uh-huh. sort of Shannara series, which came out oh, in yeah. the late seventies. And he wrote, he wrote, Actually, in the end, he wrote like nine of them, but the ones that I had were the first three. And then um, those, I didn't realize how much of a ripoff they were of, for instance, Tolkien. But, you know, I know everything is, but really these things were not that distinct. Oh, yeah. Um, Shannara, I remember getting about halfway through the first one and being like, this is just Fellowship of the Ring. And (laughs) it's not as good. Well, (laughs) and I was thinking I was about 12 when I made that. Yeah, very, very true. I will say this. He he's written other series that were also ripoffs of other things like his Landover series, which is um, Magic Kingdom for sale sold. Those are just they're sort of um, Tad Williams ripoffs and and, and, no and Terry Pratchett, but not nearly as kooky. Um, Mm. Yeah, it's sort of a combination of those two. Anyhow. Uh, that was my introduction. Here's I'm gonna uh, here's my I'm gonna make a prediction here. I think I don't think people have fully tapped into the nostalgic well of like 80s crystal punk fantasy, like unicorns, centaurs, feathers in the hair, power of love, rainbows. I think we're gonna see a crystal punk revival. I think five to ten years we're gonna see the million dollar crystal punk Dolmenwood campaign just tearing up kickstarter i think you're absolutely right and i am so uh interested in the roots of that because it was not until reading the little history blurb that on on the dl1 uh page on drive through that i made the connection that the people that wrote this or conceived of this setting were mormons and then i started looking at the plot of Crin and Dragonlance. And then I started researching the Church of Latter-day Saints because I'm not yeah. super familiar with it. And then I was like, oh, all of this stuff is very Mormony. Um, you've got here, I've got a I've got a whole list of things. Um I think there's something Mormon about Gold Moon going to Hill Kamora to receive the Book of Mormon. I don't see it. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of themes. One, the you keep you keep pointing out that sort of like feather in the hair fantasy. Uh-huh. Sure. So there's this whole thing with like Native Americans in mm, in Dragonlance. Oh, very much. Yeah, and that's I yeah, that's... realized I I didn't know a lot about this, but like there is this huge tie-in with that and like Mormonism and like viewing Native Americans as like a sort of like yeah. a, like a like an alternative like. 
Israelite? I don't I yes, don't know the, all of it so you're close, well. But you're like, close. My understanding yeah. is that is that when when Jesus Christ returned, because in their mythology he returned yeah. a second time, I see it as sort of a Christian fan fiction. No disrespect, yes. that just is kind of how I see it. But the they the uh, angels or an angel came to the United States and spoke to the natives, and the natives turned against this angel. So he punished them by turning their skin red. Is my understanding? Yeah, that's um, some which stuff. is just incredibly offensive, but also so stupid. It's, yeah, <laughs> but very so, biblical. It feels oh, very super biblical. biblical. Yeah, <laughs> we also have. We're gonna we're gonna start gamer blasting, you know, popular Western religions. <laughs> you have to if you're talking about D and D, because we also have a huge theme of restorationism, which I didn't yeah. even know what that was. But it's basically the idea that once upon a time. Christian priests could actually do magic and then they did too much uh, bad stuff within the church and they lost their ability to practice magic, which as we are going to see is the one of the three founding principles of Kryn is this idea that you have clerics that there's no gods to worship and no magic, no clerical magic right now. And Mm -hmm. in in order to get them, you have to go and retrieve the discs of Mishikal or possibly the golden plates of, you know, uh, Joseph Smith's Church of the Latter-day Saints. Right, There's right. just so much stuff. Uh, also, can I, can I just, just – in- yeah. I want to interject about something. Brad, Gary yes. Gygax was a Jehovah's Witness. It's not like you didn't have – did you not know that? No, I didn't know Oh, that. yeah. It's, it's like – it's, go ahead, Sam. <laughs> I, sorry, I, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited please, right now. Please, 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 I've been thinking about that in relation to this. To and this, like, of course. The, it's different. Re- it's it's a very different, but it's also when you think about like Jehovah's Witness as like a faith, that's a very different practice. And the way that Gygax incorporated it was almost begrudgingly, but also at the same time with like a lot of acknowledgement. It was, it's a very I weird- I mean, yeah, he never, he didn't leave- um, his church or anything uh, there. And they are very different religions. As far as I'm concerned, as a Jew, they both want us. They like (laughs) want us. It's very, I don't like it. Like, 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 I don't enjoy their, do you know that there are Mormons who baptize or they, they basically convert dead Jews to Mormonism. It's just such an interesting, like what they're like, they read, it doesn't matter. That feels like the plot of an anime. They're, there's just, people talk about. What's the most anime no, religion? That's I'm just saying, like, I me. just, I find it fascinating how we have these early D&D books that came from not just like Midwestern white Christian men, but Jehovah's Witness and Mormons, which yeah. are significant. They're, neither of those are mainstream Western religions in the context of mainstream Christianity, I should say. They're, they're, they're I mean, well, there are a lot of Mormons, but they, it's, um, it's an offshoot. It's I would say yeah, there are there it's not like Protestant versus Catholic or even Methodist versus um Episcopalian. It is very different. It is yeah, they're totally different. So it's interesting. I do think it's relevant. Anyhow, yeah. I, 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 so I'm with you, Sam. Why don't we actually get to it since it's let's talk about yeah. yeah. Let's um, talk but before about we do before we okay. do there is something I need to I need to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Really yeah. Just, I need you both just let's, to just just listen up. Here yep. it is. Grasslands are endless and summer sings on And Gold Moon the princess loves a poor man's son Her father the chieftain makes long roads between them The 
God. Father, the chief did makes long roads between them. Sing along, guys. Song of Gold Moon. Look, uh, okay. I, uh, uh, okay. it doesn't matter like w- what your adventure is, how good it is. If you have a song with sheet music, I'm going to increase my review by a letter grade. Okay? That's good. <laughs> Even this the Song of Gold Moon, we get a full sheet of sheet music. It's not written correctly. The bass clef is listed as bass clef, but it's really just a second treble clef. So you have to do some transposition to even play this thing. You know, you know who I, I still don't care who I'm imagining performing this in like sort of the best possible. Do you, do you guys watch Freaks and Geeks? Oh, sure. Yeah. Do you know that scene where there's like the really quiet girl that like is at the party and then she starts playing piano and yeah. <laughs> she starts playing Jesus is just all right by me. <laughs> yeah. That's like, that's the vibe of this whole setting that I get. Totally. It's like, it's like, this is D and D for like homeschooled kids and like <laughs> a very specific. Oh, man. We're getting, we're going to get some letters. man. Oh, this you know what? It. I was a homeschool kid. So you send your uh-huh. letters and I will read them at a much higher reading level, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, in right. his dad's basement so, okay uh, <laughs> i was only homeschooled for kindergarten and first grade but it uh it left an impression that does, yeah. oh that doesn't count i'm sorry did you enter a new school as a second grader knowing uh a lot of weird stuff and not having a lot of social skills i, I entered it not speaking english okay, okay so you win <laughs> but here i listen uh <laughs> Do you know that they, did you know that I, they didn't, I, my mother says that I used to just hang by the wall because I couldn't understand. And they just, the teachers were fine with it. They just ignored me as I watched the children play. I think about that. Like I would never. It, it does explain. It doesn't. Lot. I just, I can't. Yeah. The, cru- yeah, the, man, cru- yes. the cruelty of children. <laughs> hey. In a good way. You wouldn't be doing Anyhow. this now if you okay. were accepted by your peers. Right, you think oh, you'd be yes, creating a elaborate the... rule set for oh, social that's... interaction if you didn't have that? <laughs> there is a through line with nerds, <laughs> I, and I think it binds us more than it separates right. us. Downtime procedures, yeah. how are those going, you guys? <laughs> yes. All right, <laughs> I good. finished them. Unrelated, just checking in. They're done. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> moving right, on. Let's talk moving about on. DL1. On. Okay. We're doing a bad... Okay, so yes. basically this module, um, you usually give the... Uh, advertisement for it but why just i just want to describe the first okay first off <laughs> you don't have to make characters you it's, can just play the active, characters it's actively the discouraged book. it says yeah if players insist <laughs> they can make their own characters <laughs> and then and what's amazing is i i actually didn't even notice the characters i was telling brad hey where where are these characters that they make because they're they're just like and these cute little cutout yeah. squares, you know, like Goldmoon. Goldmoon, okay, who's arguably the oh, protagonist yeah. if she's of the series. She's not a player, series, then she one has of the to main be an NPC, she, She's crucial yeah, she's, to She's there. Well, she, she yeah. right, she has to be exactly. But her stat block is uh, you know, 2 inches tall, 
It's just amazing. I could never imagine a fifth edition character and be anything being this small. It's just literally she's a fifth level human cleric and uh, pretty traditional stats except for her wisdom, which is pretty high. And uh, she's super loyal and has a higher reaction. That's it. Yeah. That's it. She's and and this is the like I feel like if you're going to ask the characters to play NPCs, yeah, it's a choice you make. It, there's a real choice here of making these characters. Uh, I mean, fifth level, I, yeah. I guess, is high, but it so, just they seem so plain. I don't know. May I summarize the adventure? Please do. Okay. So, please, um, this please, please. Literally follows almost beat for beat the first half of the novel Dragons of Autumn Twilight, which came out six months later. Uh, so this this came first, but you know, was they're written in tandem? I imagine this is the only one um, that is like that too. The other ones afterwards, they released the books first. Okay. Yeah, I'm not surprised about that. Yeah. Um. So the the adventure here, I mean, we're really seeing kind of the, not the birth, but I think this really represents a shift from D&D into like heroic fantasy. Like you're just it being a, a, a cog in the DM story with this module. Um, and the tale here is that players happen upon um, this this gold moon character, this woman. She has a blue crystal staff. And, uh, the players are eventually <laughs> strongly pushed in the direction of, um, returning this staff to this ancient city where it originally came from. So the first half of the module is a hex crawl where players have a chance of meeting Gold Moon and the Blue Staff and then figuring out that they should be going towards, uh, the ancient city of Zach Seroth while at the same time, Evil draconian forces, these uh, evil dragon people, are appearing and they are conquering the land. So it starts from the south, and as you uh, travel, they're slowly conquering this world, these evil despots. Um, second half of the adventure finds us in the ancient city, Zaxaroth, as um, the, a god, you know, for many years unheard of, speaks to the party and says, hey, you have to go down into this ancient city and find the golden uh, tablets or discs or something of the ancient text to restore religion to Corinth. And so we get a traditional dungeon crawl where we're delving into uh, an ancient city of Zaxaroth to find that and bring it back. And that's the adventure. That's the module. Um, yeah, I think very tellingly, like, in this shift to like heroic fantasy. This is the first adventure in Dragonlands. This is obviously a campaign starter and it is for level five to six characters. So right off the bat, it doesn't want your character to die. And I think the challenges are pretty, pretty weak, uh, as far as like difficulty. You're supposed to be winning the fights. You're supposed to be jumping in and fighting the dragons here. You're not a level one dummy with a shovel trying to survive. You are. You are Legolas and Aragorn on an epic quest. Um, and, and that's what, that's what, uh, this is for better or worse. Yeah. So what, what do you want to talk about first? There's a lot to talk about here. Yeah. There's a lot to talk about. Should we do like a, uh, a round robin? Like you get two minute power, uh, two minutes of power. What did you think about this thing before we dig into the weeds? Uh, okay, I, I think that sounds good, but let's not do a deep dive for this, or let's just keep we're doing this. It, we're jumping let's into just do deep full yeah, that spoilers good. going forward. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right, so um, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll start. 
I'll start. Um, I didn't like this. I do think that there are some cool innovations. Uh, I like that the hex maps have larger hexes on them and give you an idea of what kind of things can happen inside of those hex regions. I thought that was kind of cool. I think I've seen it elsewhere, but this, I'm sure this was the first time that this has shown up somewhere in a published adventure. Um, I enjoyed some of the world building and factional bits uh, with, you know, the weird dwarf slave things that are just kind of reskinned goblins. Like I like that they're slave. They're, sorry, I, like, I like that they're dwarves. <laughs> Because that's well, not it's how got you a think about slavery. Take dwarves. Yeah. I love that these yeah. dwarves are. Yeah, I, I, I wow. like Finally. that. These... No. You, we pump the no, brakes. I, continue on. I, you pump, continue <laughs> on. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I like the dragon being just there. Um, I think it's it would be more interesting if the dragon was more evil and just killed the PCs immediately. That would be pretty cool. Um, I mean, I like it as a faction in of itself. I guess. Uh, I like the maps a lot. I think they're very easy to read and very pretty. And I don't like everything else about it. So see, I got all the good, all the, all this I liked. I got out. Um, I do, I do have some notes, but I don't okay. think they're that. Well, there we useful. got your, we got your um, hip shot capsule. I wrote, I wrote, I wrote in my note. The first note is morality. Much is my first because there's a lot of. I mean, the this is this is the most vanilla good versus evil one note sort of fantasy you can have without oh, any yeah. sense of irony. Yeah. Right. And it, it just ages very poorly, yeah. but that's okay. That's okay. I I can take it as a given. Um, I do, by the way, want to mention how, despite how blurry the text is, the map yeah. actually looks pretty good in this POD, which I appreciate. Um, it's, it's on the PDF. It's in like the wrong place. Like it's, it's in the beginning and the end for some reason. Um, anyhow, that's the positives. As far as the negatives, it is 100% a railroad in the first half. I mean, yes. to a, like an offensive degree. It's 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 just if the pl- if this happens, make sure that this happens, and uh, they should know about this, and and they should figure this stuff out. But it's not really. Um, it doesn't give the players any agency whatsoever, which would make sense if you were reading a book in which they played characters that were supposed to do certain things. So, uh, from the perspective of converting a novel, which it isn't a novel quite yet, but from the perspective of that it makes sense that they that they would write it that way but it seems very boring to me um i'm sure it was exciting at the time but i can't understand it now the dungeon itself is okay i like some of the factions i said but it it's boring not there's not really very many interesting rooms there's not any interesting puzzles it just didn't it comes off as nothing i i don't know um i think the world is fleshed out except you don't really get any background information about the characters like even in the uh, NPC characters that you can play. They just say where they're from, sort of, but you don't know anything about that place. So there was not really a lot of setting yeah, outside of just the yet. names of things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So again, I just don't have that much to say outside of it just being an interesting artifact. Um, I'm sure there's something okay. I've forgotten, but that's okay. that's what I've thought of so let's, far. So I'm out. I'm done. If I'm, you have I'll any replies, reply. that's great. Let's, let's, let's go pass the, the puck. Sam, it's your time in the hockey ring. All Sam. Right. Power, yeah. power minutes. Roll. So things that uh, I thought were interesting about this, it introduced roll under ability checks, but also does, I don't, at least my copy does not have any rules for them that I could find. And I, from what I understand, it's later um, modules have rules for like, doing a roll under ability check, but it calls for them a couple of times in this. That's interesting. Um, 
Uh, I have written down uh, the plot being introduced as a concept rather than a byproduct, um, <laughs> which is, I think that is that defining line that you were talking about, Brad, where it's just like th- before this, the idea was like the things you did were the story. Now there is a story to be adhered to and followed. Um, yeah. It is heroic D&D as opposed to anti-hero D&D. Um, that is run on a well-hinged and oiled steel door economy because gold (laughs) means nothing here. And saying Uh that steel is the only currency is like so metal. And this setting is so not metal. And it's just like (laughs) so annoying to me that you would, you would come up with such a cool idea of just like gold is meaningless. Only steel will, will uh, advance you in this world. But it's like, that functionally is just like, okay, so the gold, the gold coins mean nothing, and there are all of these big steel doors. So I guess we have to bring a steel door back to town to advance and level. <laughs> and also we have to pick up and carry every single sword we find so that we can trade it in for its uh, its 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 gold piece value. It's like so <laughs> fucking stupid. Um, I think that as a product, it's super polished in its writing, but the writing itself uh, is incredibly boring. Uh, so like, I feel like you have less errors and it's more readable but it's i I have written here it's infinitely more readable but it's also infinitely cringier um so so much of this is just its sincerity is cranked up to 11 which in some ways i was i mean i came up at my age demographic in a world of irony so i think a lot of times sincerity is a breath of fresh air this is not a breath of fresh air sincerity. This yeah. is sincerity that makes me want to bully the people that wrote it. And I don't like feeling <laughs> like I want to bully people, but it's, I, it is, there is just a kick me sign on the back of this module and it drives me yeah. crazy. The bully um, is the real victim here. Yeah, that's you. exactly. Exactly. Making me want to bully you is a crime uh-huh. and you poor child. That's right. <laughs> Um, I'm going to make you listen to that song again. I it is, feel like. I, there, I, I, there is part of me that loves it because it's like, it's just so full throatedly doesn't care that it's dumb, but like, uh-huh. oh my God, at the same time, it's like, do we have to, do we have to listen to the whole thing? Like, what about how like, and the first time the players camp, they're supposed to pass around and each read a portion of the canticle. Uh, <laughs> God. <laughs> Yeah, it's so bad. Um, I love I love to sit around with my boys and recite canticles over a campfire. Well, first off, you're making fun of this canticle thing. Tracy and Laura Hickman did write a trilogy of books called the Something Canticle. I can't remember what it's called, but it has the word canticle Dude, in it. So that, I think you know, they just like that was definitely word. on the short list for Wyvern Song's alternative title. I had a long list of words I was looking at. I was like, canticle, perhaps. I remember, Wyvern I remember that it. list. Canticle punk. <laughs> uh-huh. you, you had, I had a lot. you had like the singing well, that was stones. One of the adventures, but I was you had about, yeah. all these. Right, right, right. But you had all yes. these. Uh, you remember that? Um, that was really funny. Okay, Sam. Anything else to add? Or <laughs> oh, I want to talk about the art really quickly. Okay. Uh, yeah, the cover is cool. Caldwell is, um, you know, a boss. Love Caldwell's yeah. art. Yeah, love all the Dragonlance art actually uh, across the whole. I think there's not. There's barely any art in this. The most, the the most beautiful pieces of art are the maps, without a doubt. I do think that the um the the dedication that they had to their like dungeons making arc like uh, architectural sense is actually kind of cool, and I really like the way that the map is presented. I like the isometry. I like giving me all of the different um, mm-hmm. levels and the sort of like the layout and everything. I can get a real sense of the space here. That's super cool. Other than that, I mean, it's like, you know, that's, 
that only means as much as what's in them. And this dungeon is basically a series of various athletics checks. Yeah. Like it's just like, oh, this is a slippery staircase. This is a pit to jump over. This is a pot that you could get in and go down and skip a part of the dungeon. Like there's just a lot of stuff that's just like getting from one piece of the adventure to the end of the adventure so that you can kill the dragon and move on with the plot. It just doesn't care about the bits and bobs. And the exception being, I really like the, um, the invisible, like the spectral, what are they called? The spectral minions. I think there's a couple of cool moments with that. I like that as a, like an idea. There's a lot of faction adjacent stuff happening that I think is kind of cool, but uh, yeah. Spectral minions are definitely the coolest part because I like the idea that you're wandering through an ancient yeah. city and uh, there's maybe like a spectral baker that's like making bread and you're like, oh, what's going on here? Right. The idea, the the idea is pretty cool because the city yeah. has kind of fallen and so it's in multiple levels. That's actually a cool idea, and I think the map does a good way of just of kind of portraying that. I want to add one more thing. I remember there was a point where they ask you to roll on a table and they ask you to do, uh, it's like they do one D four plus 20 or something to try to like, or it says like, they really want you to only get results between 20 and 24. <laughs> and well, no, because oh, it, yeah, it was that, specific to a certain yeah. area. And I actually thought that was, that was unusual, yeah, but still pretty clever. Check. It was like in this area, I, add 22. Oh, I see. Yeah, no, yeah. that, that actually is cool. So right. I, yeah. I, right. I thought that was cool too. What you were saying. No, it is weird. It is weird. Just Cause we, we just would have right. a different But in this way, now. those things could appear. Right. But, depending on like the modifiers you're adding to different. Yeah. I thought, so too. I thought that was pretty clever. And then I also in general, yeah. like the random encounters, the forest random encounters are good. I, I feel weird defending yeah. this thing. Cause I really didn't care for it, but there are some pretty good. Yeah. Um, I guess keying choices, mm. whatever you want to call that um, yeah. overall design. It's just also, you know, the box text is it's pretty very digestible. easy to read. Mm-hmm. It's not read aloud. So, yeah, it, it's not like it was hard to read. Yeah. It's I, just nothing happens. I mean, what I, there's, I, I was just going to say, I sorry, have, go ahead. like, Gygax is really hard to read, but I am compelled to pick it apart and figure out what's going on there. Whereas this is really easy to read, and I'm compelled to stop reading it. <laughs> yeah. I think it's all right. I don't know. I think it's pretty... It's pretty average. Some things elevate. Some of the writing is a little better than mm. than average. Um, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you my my snap impression. Take it here. away. Um, okay, I think this is a really strange module. I think the first half, the hex crawl, and I think the swamp crawl, which I haven't really talked about either, are some. It's maybe the worst hex crawl I've ever read. It is awful. <laughs> it's terrible. The encounters are not interesting. Literally everything you encounter is either. It's all like the whole area is an illusion of choice. Everything you do, someone is like, don't you think you should be going to the lost city of Zach Zeroth? And if you don't do it, then you find people who are like, God, I hope you got, you don't go to the lost city of Zach Zeroth. Like there's nothing else. There's no other story in this whole country. You can go into various towns, anything in those towns, are people in the bar being like, I heard that there's an ancient city of Zach Zeroth, and yeah. if you find a blue crystal <laughs> staff, you should bring it there. And... Yeah, that's uh, these NPCs. There's like a party in that tavern. Yes, Why don't they right? get the damn it's staff? <laughs> like, I get it. You want to have 
a heroic journey across the realm. You want to walk to Mordor. But if you don't have a choice, then don't ask players to choose. This is not playing a game. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, it is like playing Dragon Warrior One on the NES. Yes. Where the king is like, "Do you accept the quests?" And if you say no, he says, "But thou must." And so you say you say no until you finally say yes. It's like you're not getting a choice, so don't really ask me a question. Start it at the dungeon because that's when you actually start playing the game. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And 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 in fact, okay, can I, I got wait, a big butt sorry, coming. Can here, I okay, read. I got a big. Okay, okay. I just want to read the part with the adventurers because okay. I. <laughs> they say they say um, the guards of this city are looking for someone bearing a crystal staff. I wonder why. Could the staff preserve us from the invaders? God, and I in hate the north? like. And you have a scripted encounter. <laughs> At some point, you meet Goldmoon with the staff. If you don't choose to just be like, hey, yeah. maiden, let us take on your quest. Then a few encounters later, you get another opportunity. She just she appears. No other context. It's yeah. just you meet her again. You yep. just keep meeting her until you say, oh, okay, I get it. That's the adventure. Like, give me a break, man. Like, give me a way to play the game or just <laughs> just quit, quit jerking me around. Anyway, here's the big butt. I think the dungeon is terrific. I think it's masterful. I think the the map is gorgeous. The layout of the dungeon is so interesting. This ruined city. We get upside down buildings. We are sliding down like sewer shafts. We get caves. We get ghosts. We get this faction of gully dwarves that are like are inviting you to bully them and boss them around. Like there's so much potential to do here. I like the layout of once you get to the city. The different, like, sections of the city are, like, you know what they're about. I think the Draconians are interesting adversaries. Like, I think they're just a touch better than orcs in that they can fly. One, two, your weapons get stuck in them. That's a really cool way to interact with them. That is really cool. I agree. Like, they're also intelligent. There's there's a couple that are pretty smart. Uh, They're not just, like, hordes of dummies. I think... I don't, there's, I mean, there's things I don't love about the dungeon. I don't love that at the beginning of God is like, hey, go downstairs and find the tablets. I'm like, I wish I could come up with that of yeah. my own. Yeah. You know, like, I. Yeah. Literally, a, a, a God shows up right. and tells you what Which, to do. like, okay. It's also very Mormon. I just want to point out. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I like a dungeon with a purpose. Mm. You know, I like, okay, here's what we're trying to do here. But it's so heavy handed. I wish it was a little lighter. And I also don't love, there's a cool, awesome dragon. But when you find him, the god is like, hey, you know that magic staff that you've been carrying on? Whack him with that. And when you do, he just blows up. It's not a fight. It's like the whole thing. You're building up to this boss fight. And it's not even a fight. It's a total... This is kind of like Silver it's, Princess, actually. Yeah. It's it's similarly not just annoying that. of just like, oh, you just touch the thing and then yeah. oh, everything explodes and it's better. And it's like, there's no climax like, there. You don't need to do that. There's a cool back door to the dragon encounter. You could just sneak in and steal the thing. It doesn't have to be like, the only way to do it is to fight him, but I'm going to give you a get out of jail card for that. I will also add, unlike uh-huh. unlike Silver Princess, when only one player is okay right. if they whack the dragon, everyone else right. has to try to get out. Uh, it's like a collapsing right. temple sort of situation. And then that player, you right. just find them later, but which is fine. This too. If whatever. you're making them play but that, at the least there's something going on. Play, they've magically been transported out of the dungeon. Right. Yeah. I thought that. about that too. Yeah. But you did you actually the like dungeon the dungeon great. rooms? I thought they were so boring. No, 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 no. I like the design. I'm talking yeah, about yes, the like, stuff in it. It's, okay. This is like name a, something you like. Um, like a funhouse dungeon where each room is its own 
Um, there's there's something right. interesting in each room. I think you, the dungeon and macro is where it's strong. In that, you know, the Gully Dwarves quarter, there's even, like, factions of them. Some of them are a little more aggressive, but they're all basically mm-hmm. cowering babies. Yeah. Um, like, I, I love the upside-down building you're navigating through, and there's water that's rushing through it, and there's ghosts that you can interact with. Yes, what is an... Okay, but there are so many rooms. Yeah. There's, like, 70 rooms... And out of all of them, maybe 20 yeah. are I just think it's not interesting because of its individual rooms. It's the broad strokes that paint you're painting with add up to interesting navigation, interesting encounters. Like, there's not a room that makes me say, wow, that's a zinger. You know what I mean? But just seeing how these pieces connect. You think of one encounter usually when okay, you say, the upside oh, down so room great. with the ghost. That you was know? cool. That was cool. The, the okay, river okay, that's washing okay. you away if you try to cross it. There's The room's like... I'm going to point out in the top of the dungeon, there are rooms with collapsing floors. And if you can, like, mm-hmm. traverse these collapsing floors, there's little tucked away rooms you can kind of see that actually do have some interesting treasure and stuff in them, if you can get there. But, like, there's a challenge of, like, how do you even get across this, like, elbow-shaped room that's going to collapse if I walk out, or there, where there is a big hole? I thought that was interesting. Um, the elevator where the gully dwarves are continually like, running up the stairs so they can go sit in a pot to use counterweight to move the draconians up and down. Like, that's so interesting. That's so funny. Yeah, everything with the with the dwarf thing yeah. I thought was interesting. I I, I mentioned I like yeah. kind of the factional play in here. I thought it was interesting. I thought that, that you could have emphasized right. it even more, you know. Um, and the dragon is just kind of a, a, uh-huh. a thing that's there. Yeah. You know, Um. The storyline itself is like, okay, the dragon is commanding these <laughs> draconians to worship it. And it's, it's like, oh, only the staff can bring my doom. And they all uh-huh. know the staff can bring its doom. Or well, most of them do. They're, they'll say it aloud. <laughs> like, well, I've been told the staff is the only thing that can bring but our they'll downfall. Be like, I don't believe like, it, though. Like, as if the characters... <laughs> yeah. But like, uh-huh. but the characters like as if. What is the point of that? Is it for the characters to overhear this? I think I'm zeroing in thing? on something here know. because I do think that I I had a similar reaction to you, Yochai, with the with the way that like there's so many, there's so much of this dungeon, but it feels like the purpose of it is to funnel you down to the end. Whereas like I also agree with Brad and that like there is, I feel like the tone of the dungeon and like a lot of the way that it's like put together and like the vibe, if you will, is a very, it's very, it's, it's sort of dungeon, but it's like, well, it's well presented in that sense. There's a lot of good dungeony stuff and yeah, you've got some interesting like faction stuff and like moments within there. But I think because there's so much of it, it is making me want a more like just a, a like a, I mean, this is very much a place that you're only going once, right? And it feels like along the way, there's like maybe some stuff to sidetrack you and sort of waste your time. But it feels to me like there are there are some times when you have a game like this where if if the point of this is to follow the plot, then let me follow the plot. Just send me in the direction. Give me occasionally like, you know, binary choices that lead to like different sort of like ending conditions. But like the the combination of these sort of like sand like not sandbox but like it's 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 got it i know what it wants me to do but it's giving me like it's sort of giving me the the runaround to get there like i i feel like i get really impatient if there's like a clear goal and then 
also there's like a lot of things to explore on the sides but i hate side quests in just about everything <laughs> unless the game is side quests which is right. what i feel like sort of D at its best for me at least is like there's right. like the big plot stuff in D doesn't super interest me because i would just read a book if i wanted that. and this is yeah, i think this is exactly plot stuff the in-between point between a book and a game of D&D, and it yeah. can't really make up its mind, and that's why I will look at something that I think otherwise is probably a perfectly fine dungeon, but, like, it just doesn't do it for me. That's, yeah, that's interesting. I just think, like, the verticality, like, the connections, the water, like, the... Oh, yeah, I'd play the Dark the Souls City, of this dungeon for sure. Oh, man, I just want to scrape this thing out, like, reskin it a little bit, and just stick it in a sandbox, because I think this is a smoking dungeon. I think it's killer. Like, when you go down that one shaft and, like, the room is sideways and the curtains are hanging and you kind of have to go curtain to curtain to get over to the room, the door that's hanging. That was cool. I don't know. I think I think, I think think it's a winner. I think the dungeon is a winner. Um, and the map's gorgeous, obviously. I mean, it, I, I think you have a point in that it's the broad strokes that make it unsuccessful. It's the why, the how. You know, it's being in this dungeon... It's not like you can just walk through it and enjoy yourself. You have to have a reason to be right. there, something yeah. to push you forward. And it can't literally just be a god telling you to do yeah. stuff. Yeah, I mean, right, <laughs> that's what it is in this case. Uh, but yeah, if I were to change it, yeah. I would try to think of some other way to do that. Yeah. I can see reskinning yeah, this totally. and like, ref- making, like fleshing out some of the rooms, making them a little bit more interesting and making it less linear. I do think that there's like a lot of potential there. Uh, yeah. I think you could do that. I think you could add some kind of grim undertones. Why is the city collapsed? What are they trying to find out? You know, mm-hmm. I think you could make it interesting. Um, I think the dragon as just a presence yeah. is pretty interesting. I, I Not the reason you're there. Do you guys think there, if you're discovering the plot of the adventure just through natural exploration of the dungeon, you would like the plot? It's, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's so arbitrary. It. Like, I'd be fine with it. A lot of Korean is very arbitrary. Like yeah. the one, like the thing is, one of the main things about Korean is like dragons are just fairy tales. There oh, are yeah. no dragons, but what if there were really dragons? You know, it's just like such a they, lazy they, storytelling. Technique, they do, you know, they do talk about how there's not dragons enough that like before uh-huh. you've even heard them finish the first diatribe about it, you're like, well, there's definitely going to be dragons, right? Right. Like. That's like, just like I feel like that's. <laughs> I mean, there are draconians. Of course, it just there are feels dragons. Like a lazy sci-fi fantasy trope that we see all the time, where it's like the the Queemqua people have never seen the sun go into the flimmy flam stage. But what if a young boy sees the flim flam sun for the first time? It's like you just you can't make up your silly rules to just like. It just feels arbitrary if you're making some silly rule to just break it as soon as I as soon as I jump in, you know. There it is. It does feel a little bit like they're prompting themselves to like, you know, you know that kid in in like the lunchroom who's like, "Do you dare me to eat this?" Right. <laughs> That's what <Yeah>. this is. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. do you dare me to make a setting with no dragons except there's dragons in it? Like, right. Me- it's like, I, there's already no dragons. So if you're telling me that this is world, there's no dragons, but then there's dragons. Like, okay. Yeah, it seems like a really weird runaround because, like, they especially yeah, con- okay. they conceived the setting to be like, you know, there's not enough dragons in the Dungeons and Dragons, which I always agree with. But right making it like it's like it's very much like gold has no value here is like very like sort of ribbing like 
AD&D generally. And like the idea right. of just like, oh, there's no gold in this one, idiot. Right. This is a different They don't different go far thing. enough with that. It's not like yeah. if travelers see you with a sword, they're like, yo, give me your sword. Like That's, that's money. Dark Sun. That's the right. thing. Dark Sun succeeds at a lot of the things that I think Kryn fails at. Yeah, Dark Sun is just this like, plus 10,000 right? years. But yeah, that's the thing. Is like, I think this version, version yeah. doesn't do yeah. enough yeah. with the stuff that it's giving it, you. Yeah, It doesn't. It's just they treat it as like another another kind of coin. The coins are a little different here, which is by far my most boring part yeah, of what RPGs. Actually, RPG okay. Silver standard well, versus know, gold standard. Yes. Like, Hold on. Uh-huh. I like that they said that depending where you go, the money oh, you have won't work. That's so I mean, on a game level... On a game level, I can understand why it's boring, but not if it's like here you can only barter rations and there that you can only barter That just makes like some song. money lender you know, character I don't know. into your game. It's just like you're adding an element that is so boring. I don't, I don't. I think it just feels bolted on to uh-huh. me, at least. Like, I feel like if you're going to make a game about how like nobody can agree on a currency, then there's interesting things to be done with that. But it feels like in this, it's just sort of extra stuff that's happening. It's just uh-huh. like adding something and it's right. like, oh it's different because of this just because i wanted it to be different not because there's like a lot of like interest in it because i i agree with you hi like i like i like the idea of like oh there's like there's different different systems of you know currency based on like people valuing different things like there's interesting story beats and you know, various scenarios that come out of this, like, especially with a, with a module that's so interested in like songs and things like that. Like, yeah, if there is like a, like a tribe of people that will like only take you seriously, if you pay them in like a good story or a song, like that's, that's like Uh a kind of role playing that the players are engaging with that I feel like could be interesting. And it's like, it's good for the theater kid D and D players. Like, you know, that's, that's (laughs) fun, but this is a module sort of made for them anyways. But like, it's, it's the way that they do it. I just think it's sort of weird. It's just like can you know? It's like oh, it's like what if you went to Canada and you couldn't spend your uh, your your quarters and you had to find someone to just change them? It's like uh, going to Canada is not an adventure, okay? It's like it's not okay. You just change your money. You change it's still money. It's, nothing's changed, okay? It's just they have little birds on their money. It's just a little bit different here. It's not it's not inherently exciting, you know? And like saying there's no dragons and then I mean like. There's already no dragons in my life. Telling me that there's no dragons, I'm like, correct, yes. And then there's dragons, okay, well, okay, fine, that's... Then they they also named the setting Dragonlance, and they were like, there's no dragons in it. It's like, I mean, that's just you. surprising if I play any D&D campaign and there's a dragon. I'm like, well, well, there we go, I don't have dragons in my real life. You didn't need to tell me that there are no dragons in this world for me to be impressed that there is now a dragon, you know? No. That Notably, there aren't any lances. <laughs> Wait, did, did they mention the Dragonlance in the Canticle of the Dragon, though. Oh really? You I read the whole read the adventure. Canticle? That was the homework. <laughs> me and me and my boys passed around this canticle over a campfire. I, I've been deep in the canticle. All right. And I the, read. Oh, me, my. I'm sorry. My boys and the one female okay. character. Uh, yeah, that's true. Golden, Bo- the yeah. boys wow. and and the girlfriend. Well, character. wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. yeah no, it's it's, like girl, wow. it's just a girlfriend. Okay. Character. Yeah. I. I mean, it's all gold. Gold. Gold moon. X river wind. River wind. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I should have done an elaborate stage reading of uh, too late. The Canticle of the Dragon. It is. Though. Could I? Could I do <laughs> yeah, just a quick, just yeah. a quick one of the first first paragraph in what I feel like is an appropriate voice for this? Sure. Yes, please. 
Hear the sage as his song descends like heaven's rain or tears and washes the years, the dust of many stories from the high tale of the dragon lance. For in ages deep, past memory and word, in the first blush of the world, when the three moons rose from the lap of the forest, dragons, terrible and great, made war on this world of crin. This dude canticles right here. I have what no idea. It's there. not broken by line. It's not <laughs> I mean, broken by on. any sense. I Bro, was... <laughs> you even canticle? Come on, leave that kind of stuff on the door. You don't need that here. I can't ickle with this shit. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I think I think we uh, I think we wrap this up. Is there anything else it's you want so to say Mormon-y. about it? I just good? didn't. I didn't expect all of the Mormonism. It's and it's like so no no disrespect or anything to like anybody's religion, but it is just like so. And I I I linked to you guys the like a like an article where like uh, Tracy Hickman talks about like his faith and his art, and he's just like they're the same. It's all the same. Every part of my life is the same, and it's all <laughs> Mormon. And so. Yeah, that's a recurring Sanderson. theme. Um, it's well, uh, yeah, that's that's the obvious one. But I was thinking more of um, uh, who did uh, oh, Ender's Game? Uh, Orson, um, Scott, Orson Card. Scott Card. There's another. There's Thank another you. one. Like we count down the great too. Mormons of of the sci-fi fantasy section. Here. There's a. It's maybe it's top five. There is What's a your sort top of, five Mormon uh, sci-fi <laughs> right fantasy writers. I think there's like a like a the approach to religion has a very fantasy feel with uh LDS that mm-hmm. like it's it's different. And why aren't there more Scientologists who are uh science? Maybe it's so there, far you know? into the absurd with Scientology that they don't need the fantasy. Whereas and you don't, you don't compete like, with the writer, you know? Like well, the <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. You wouldn't want to yeah, you wouldn't yeah. you wouldn't want to do that. No. Um all right. Well uh this has been Between Two Cairns. You can find us at patreon.com slash between two cairns, or you can email us between two cairns at gmail.com with any questions or comments or feedback you might have. And thanks, Sam. Why don't you say us, tell us about oh, where yeah, we can, you can find, find you me on at the internet. You can also check out uh, my stuff on Instagram, better underscore legends. You can go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash better it's either dash or underscore legends you'll figure it out but the website's got all the links uh i'm here to blast for you people and i love doing it um thanks and then uh a good patreon too i'm a subscriber and i enjoy it oh, and thank you. uh by the way i enjoyed your uh the uh, the porno comic you made too that was oh, a good read thank you yes yeah I, it was a uh, spicy read thanks thank you doing my but best doing my best there you know it's worth just picking up just trying to just trying to distribute pornography to the masses in Why the most responsible way that I feel I can. I, I, I'm a fan. I'm Thanks. a fan. Thanks. Uh, okay. Okay. All right. Well, well you thanks, know, everybody. Little spice in the See old burrito ain't, ain't a problem for me. You know what I'm talking about? No. Nope, <laughs> I don't mean any kind of thing un, un, untoward about when I say in the burrito. I'm just saying I, I'm maybe digging my hole deeper here. Oh, yeah. You're digging into that burrito <laughs> real deep, bud. <laughs> I just, I'm just saying, I don't, okay. I don't fear a little, okay, okay, a little spice, okay. Let's just, let's just leave it like that. He okay. likes to okay. add hot my, sauce okay. to the burrito right. first. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm Sour saying. Sour cream after. More uh, on that yeah, later. Yeah, no. Well, okay, enough, <laughs> enough. Far. Both of you. <laughs> Too far.
getting too far from me. Yeah. Guess, uh, all right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for having, coming on, Sam. Anytime. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>